Throughout Christmas, we've been looking at the Gospels of Matthew and Luke because they give the story form of Jesus' birth. Mark tends to just jump right in, as he does with most of the things throughout his gospel. But John gives a more theological introduction to Jesus and his birth. And so we're in the gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, had, he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me. Because he was before me. For from the fullness of time we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The reading of God's word. Well, this is considered low Sunday. Not as many people in our pews tonight, this morning, especially not as many as the other evening. We have sung Silent Night. Santa Claus has come and gone. The Christmas music has been turned down in most of the stores and on the radios. The TV is not so full of cheesy Christmas specials. If you're like my house, you you may have put out large bags of wrapping paper and packaging on the curb to be pulled away by the trash man. Isn't it right after Christmas a little bit of a letdown to anybody else? Sort of builds and builds and builds and then it's done. It's, It's over. We put the bows away. There will be people who leave their Christmas lights out for months and months, and we call these people ridiculous because most of us will be taking them down relatively soon. Trees will soon be removed from our homes. They don't probably belong there anyway. Christmas is over, and it's kind of a letdown. It's kind of a what happened there. It's kind of anticlimactic. But in the, in the Bible, the story ends just as abruptly. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. 
But the shepherds leave and go back to their flocks. The wise men go back to their telescopes in the east. The holy family, yes, they flee to Egypt. But there they live as a pretty normal family. Having more kids, Jesus sort of is raised up like a child would be. The story just kind of stops and we pause and we get a brief look in the scriptures of Jesus at about the age of 12. And then at about the age of 30, the story picks up again. It's sort of a boring ending, really. How can we keep Christmas going? How can we carry all these things in our hearts as Mary does? I would say plainly that if we mean by carrying on Christmas the the emotions and all the to-do about Christmas, I don't think we can carry that on. In fact, I'm not sure we should carry that on. I don't think that's a pace that most of us can keep up in our entire lives. There are these times in the Bible, the the language that's sometimes used about them is mountaintop experiences. These high times, these big points where you get to go up and be close to God. But they always end. Moses, Abraham, all the characters of the Bible eventually have to come down off the mountaintop and back into the real world. We are not people designed to always be on the mountaintop, to always be excited, to always have things be in an extreme level. We can't handle that. We're not made for that. Do you know people in your life that are like that? That always want to be excited about something? So they get excited about something, and then when that kind of dries up, they get excited about the next thing and the next thing, and their house is full of all these hobbies, all these great ideas that didn't pan out and didn't last very long. Some of you were elbowing each other in the pews. We're like that. We want to keep the highs. We want to keep things going. But it's, it, it just doesn't work. It always disappoints. You know, there are a lot of Christians that try to do that. A lot of Christians that don't stay consistent in their faith. In fact, the, the consistent Christian is perhaps the most rare of Christians There are other types of Christians that we see more. Some of them are creasters. Have you ever heard this term, creasters? Christmas and Easter, we call them creasters. We saw them this week, and we will see them at Easter, and then we'll see them again next Christmas, the creasters. We get at least the the biggest mountain points of all. They come for that, but then not so much. There's more and more people who don't even go to church. More and more people, if they do come, only are priesters. There are now Christians that are good time Christians. We might call them mountaintop Christians. These are Christians that follow God when things are going well. But when things go bad, they they curse God. They go away from God. God, I, I was happy when things were going well, but now they're going poor. You owe me more than that. In the Bible, these are Job's friends. Job's friends want Job to curse God because so much stuff is bad, bad is happening to them. They weren't encouraging to do that when good stuff is going on. But now that the bad is there, get, get, get away from this God. These are good time mountaintop Christians that follow God when things are going well. But they abandon God. They leave their faith when things go poorly. 
Some Christians are the opposite. They're bad time Christians. These are the valley Christians. They call out to God when things are going poorly. Oh, there's not enough in the bank account, and I just lost my job, and I'm struggling with this, and I'm crying out to God. But as soon as things start going well, they don't need God anymore, and they forget about Him. They leave their faith aside. They're bad time Christians. They're valley Christians. And as soon as things get good, they don't need God anymore. They abandon God. I think David's a little bit like this in the Bible. David is really reliant on God when he's a shepherd and fighting lions. He's really reliant on God when Saul's out to kill him. But as soon as he's got the power, then he doesn't need God the same way. Then he starts to do things his own way and he gets into a lot more trouble. And if David's like that, his son Solomon is even more like that. So wealthy, so much at his, at his hands. He doesn't need God He's a good time. He's a, he's a bad time Christian. I need God when the things are bad, but when it's good, I don't, I don't need him anymore. Very few Christians are consistent. It seems like the only Christians that are consistent today are the legalist Christians. You know what I mean by legalist Christians? They're Christians that base their faith totally on rules. As long as I'm good and follow these rules, God is with me. And they have a belief that's sort of like karma plus God. Like if I follow the rules, then then God will be good to me. But if I'm failing at the rules, then perhaps uh, that's when God is being bad to me. God is paying retribution to me. These are the only Christians, uh, very rarely... Are Christians more than legalists very consistent? I'm talking about steady, consistent, all the time Christians. Mountains and valleys, good times and bad, Christmas, Easter, and just plain ordinary time Christians. It's not easy to be that kind of Christian. Because it doesn't always work out real well. There are good times and bad in life. It means we have to admit that we don't have all the answers and we have to be okay not having all the answers. We have to give up on everything having to feel good or work out well and just simply trust. We have to give up on our lives having to be exceptionally special and accept our lives as divinely ordinary. But that is the very message of Christmas. What does the Gospel of John say? It says Jesus became flesh. That's a very interesting word choice, that Jesus became flesh. It doesn't say Jesus became human. It doesn't even necessarily mean, in the Greek, human flesh. It doesn't mean Jesus became a baby. The text doesn't say here Jesus became a baby. It says Jesus became flesh. He became physical. You could think meat, meaty. He became real. God comes to real life, to real life problems, to real life situations. That is the message of Christmas. And Jesus stayed that way. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But after the resurrection, Jesus may have a special body, but he still eats. And people can still touch him. And people can still recognize him. Even at the end of the Bible, 
We have this false conception that we all go to heaven and that's where we stay. But that is not how the Bible ends. The Bible ends with a new heaven and a new earth. And us coming back to this earth. And God making things on this earth right again. And we get our bodies fixed because they're not the way they're supposed to be. God cares about ordinary life. Somehow Christians got this idea that Christianity is punching your ticket and we get out of here. But that is not the faith of the Bible. That is certainly not the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is God cares deeply about our lives. He even enters into them. And so when we put the bows away, the real message of Christmas is only getting started because love continues to be at the heart of our faith. Think about a marriage. Marriages are great. And you have these mountaintop moments in your marriage, right? You you have these moments of getting married, of the wedding ceremony, of anniversaries, of Valentine's Day, of birthdays, of date nights. But some of you who have been married a long time, are are those the things that really make your marriage solid? No, it's the boring stuff. It's It's the really boring stuff. It's the mundane, everyday stuff that over time develops into the glue of your relationship. I, I, when I counsel couples that come in to get married and they, they, they feel like this love is this feeling that's going to keep going, and I, and I try to tell them with their glazed over eyes, no, it's not. It's going to be some days you don't like each other. Are you ready for those? Are you going to be committed past when you feel like being committed? That is a different kind of love. But that is exactly the kind of love that Jesus has for you and I when he becomes flesh. That is exactly the message of Christmas. And so we need to learn to have a real world, consistent faith. This has been something, I I didn't even realize it, but I think it's been a major theme of my sermons for about a month now. How do you have a real world, real life, even in the difficult times, even in the greatest of times, where Christ is important to you? Paul started to figure this out. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I am speaking of being in need. Listen to this. It's crazy. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's the verse you may have heard. I can do all things. Through him who strengthens me. For Paul, he's learned the secret for the highs and the lows. To be a consistent, all the time Christian. To rely on Christ. To rejoice. That's the word he starts this little paragraph with. To rejoice. Especially on the mountaintop. But to rejoice for God in all things. To trust. To have joy. 
Joy is one of the big words that we use. It's over on this banner over here. Joy. To learn how to have excitement and fun. To smile a little bit more. Christians ought to smile more. We ought to be some of the smiliest people in the world. Joy. But I wonder if these other words may be helpful for us too. It says peace back there. What does it take to be a person of peace? Consistently to have peace. Let's forget world peace for a second. Just have peace in your home. Have peace in your closest relationships. To be people that care about mending and reconciling relationships. To have love. Genuine love. Genuine self-sacrificing concern for the people around you. To have hope. Hope that in the middle of difficult times, you have a strength in Christ Jesus. That's a, if you really want to have hope, if you really want to have a consistent faith, i got to tell you, you got to work at that. you got to work at that. you got to have worship. you got to have prayer. you got to have Bible study. you got to work to stay connected to Christ to have that kind of hope. But I think that's the kind of Christians we need. Because when all the bowls are put away, when all the Christmas lights are turned off, then the message of Christmas really starts. As we live out this miracle in our own lives, as our jobs, our workplaces become mangers for Christ to live in, as our families become places of peace for Christ to reign supreme, may the Christmas miracle live on, not in your excitement, not in the hustle and bustle, but in the everyday boringness of your life. Let us pray. Lord, help us to be more boring Christians. Not Christians that have to be doing big, exciting things, but just every day. Help us to rely on you, to find our strength in you. Teach us how to be put down and how to abound. Teach us how to trust you in good times and bad. That we may share this miracle of Christmas with others around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.